perpetual traveller through the Bible. Please join me for this bird's eye view of the scriptures. Stay as long as you like and let us together discover a bit more about the Bible, from the beginning to the end. The purpose of Revelation is to transform human lives. Our studies of the Bible should be changing us. If they aren't, then something is wrong, because this is a living book with a living message which transforms the human life that it touches. In earlier podcasts of this particular series, I said that the purpose of the Old Testament is preparation, and the purpose of the New Testament is fulfillment. The four Gospels and the Acts go together to give us a presentation of the person of Jesus Christ. The four Gospels are God the Holy Spirit's inspired image of Jesus Christ, as He is. The book of Acts is a historical record of how the personality of Christ Jesus has been proclaimed throughout the earth by men. Of course, the whole of the Bible is about Christ, but particularly in the Gospels and the Acts, you find Christ manifesting the character of God through a human personality. When we come to the epistles, that is, the letters, which occupy the largest part of the New Testament, we are dealing not with preparation or fulfillment, but with explanation. The letters of the New Testament are intended to explain and make clear to us the mystery of Christ. The purpose of the epistles is to present Christ on a kindergarten level of truth that we may understand and thus enter into his life. The epistles, or letters of the New Testament, are divided up into three groups. The first group of four letters, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and Galatians, are grouped together around the theme, Christ in you. That phrase can be found in Colossians 1.27. That verse says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the transforming principle of the Christian life. And this is what makes us different from any of the other human beings on earth. The next group consists of nine letters, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus and Philemon. These all deal with the theme, you in Christ. In other words, your life lived in relationship to the rest of the body of Christ. In these letters, you have the principle of church life. The fact that we no longer live our Christian lives as individuals trying to lay hold of Jesus Christ, but that we do it together. The principle here is that I cannot ever lay hold of all that Jesus Christ ought to be to me unless you do it with me. The reverse also applies. We need each other. The last group consists of eight letters. Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd and 3rd John, and Jude. These have one theme, how to walk by faith. This is the method of life in Christ. Once you have comprehended that, 
you have said all there is to say about how to live in Christ. Notice that the order of this list of the epistles is the same order in which they appear in our New Testament. But they were not written in that order. Romans was not the first letter written. Most scholars agree that either the letter to the Galatians or 1 Thessalonians were the first letters to be written. So why are the letters in this order? The order of the letters in our New Testament was through the leading of the Holy Spirit. In each group, the epistles follow a definite pattern from fundamental or basic letters through to the more detailed or focused letters. There are three groups, and each group has a foundation letter. In these three foundation letters, the great principle God is revealing is concentrated. The rest of the letters of the group simply develop the truths which are set forth in these three. The three foundation letters are Romans, Ephesians, and Hebrews. Romans is the great foundation letter of the New Testament. Here you find the full story of salvation from the beginning to the end. The book of Romans shows what God is doing with each of us as an individual and with the human race as a whole. As you read this book, you discover that it develops salvation in three tenses, past, present and future. I was saved when I believed in Jesus. I am being saved as the character of Jesus Christ now becomes manifest in my life. I shall be saved when after resurrection life, with a glorified body, I stand in the presence of the Son of God. These three tenses of salvation can be gathered up in three words that appear in the book of Romans. Justification is the first word, the past tense. These can be found in Romans 3 verses 24, which says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I was justified when I believed in Jesus Christ. But what is justification? It can be best explained by that well-known and somewhat cliched phrase used by evangelists everywhere. Justified means just as if I'd never sinned. Justification is that righteous standing by which a man is found in the presence of God without fault. The second word, the present tense, is a misunderstood word, sanctification. That is found in Romans 8 verses 1 to 3. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. Sanctification is that wonderful process taking place in your life by which you become more and more Christ-like, which is another way of saying you become more of a man or a woman. The third word, the future tense, is glorification. Here, Romans 8 verses 30 explains it for us. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. 
Glorification is the completion of this transformation when we stand in the presence of Christ. John Wesley describes glorification as the excellent state wherein we were created. Romans develops the complete theme of salvation and then illustrates it in chapters 9 through to 11 using the nation of Israel as the representative nation. Then Paul applies salvation in the various areas of life, first of all within individuals, then secondly within the body of Christ, and then thirdly reaching out to the rest of society. In 1 Corinthians, we learn how to avoid becoming carnal by understanding the principles of spirituality. Carnality and spirituality are the two divisions of this book. Firstly, we deal with carnality. The Corinthian church was a mess. The church was divided up into factions and cliques. They were at each other's throats, taking each other to court, gossiping, fighting with one another, and even getting drunk at the Lord's table, yet busying themselves with all sorts of philosophies while immorality was in full sight. 1 Corinthians 1 verses 9 lays out the theme of the book. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. A carnal Christian means that they were still governed by the thinking of the flesh. In 1 Corinthians 3 verses 1 to 4, Paul uses the Greek word sarkikos, which literally means dominated by the flesh. Ask yourself this question. How do you think of yourself when you come to church? What is your reason for coming to church? Is it to be ministered to? Do you judge the purpose of going to church so that you might have a blessing? Or is it that you might be a blessing? The attitude of a servant is always, what can I do for another? This is what the book of Romans shows us as the secret of Christian life, fellowship with Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians takes this theme and develops it, showing us that the lack of this fellowship causes carnality. But this fellowship, if present, will bring us over into spirituality, where we walk in resurrection power and resurrection life. 2 Corinthians is the practical exhibition of victory under pressure. This is the great letter that deals with trials and difficulties and hardships. The theme of the letter is triumph in the midst of pressure. 2 Corinthians 2 verses 14 explains this. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. The letter shows a Christian how, through the midst of stress, persecutions, hardships and trials, there is abundant grace abounding. And 2 Corinthians 12 verses 9 shows this through the trials of Paul. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. This is why Christ has entered our lives to make it possible for you to be strong right where we are. The last letter of this group, Galatians, is like a red-hot knife by which Paul intends to jab Christians awake, to stir them up a bit. This is the hottest letter in the New Testament because Paul is angry 
And he shows this in Galatians 1 verses 6 where he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Also, in Galatians 3 verses 1, he shows his displeasure. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Paul is angry because these Christians had been easily led astray from the position of truth which they understood and knew, and were led off into some weakening doctrine which is sapping their strength and turning them into carnal Christians. The theme of the letter is freedom, freedom in Christ. Galatians 5 verses 1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. We were once bound with our flesh, with our carnal ideas, and tried to serve God with that effort. Then Christ came and through the Spirit cut all these ties and set us free so that we could be real men or women and walk in the liberty that he has in mind for us. Paul encourages the Galatians not to go back into that legalism and failure of the flesh. The answer is to release the mighty power of the Holy Spirit to work in the human life. The book of Galatians was the one book that inspired Martin Luther. He used this book as a weapon to cut his way through the ritualism and legalism that the church had heaped upon the truth of God and to set people free. How can we be set free and have our lives transformed? I think Paul says it simply in Galatians 5 verses 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is David Wiles, your fellow traveler in Christ, and this has been the podcast of the Bible, From the Beginning to the End, Episode 18.